Good evening, Los Angeles, and welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I am going to be with you for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I am in the studio with some dear friends. We are also on Facebook Live if you want to catch us at Apologetics.com on Facebook. That is Dennis the Menace Alvey <laughs> here in studio. I think he hasn't been here for... 10 years or so, but Roughly. thanks for coming back. Thanks, thanks for, for staying up me. late. Appreciate you being here. Love it. He is going to be bringing all the snarky comments tonight <laughs> and biblical insight as well. And we have oh, Daniel boy. the Beard Adrian, although the beard is not as big as it used to be because he went completely bald about four weeks ago. Yeah, you know, mourning, I lament. Mean, he, everything but his eyebrows was, was completely bare. That's right. <laughs> And his beard and his head is growing back strong, and he is looking like the old Daniel that mm-hmm. we all know and love. And Just so, add the beard, we're good. No so. longer looking like he's from the wall. <laughs> That's right. The wall? Probably before your time. The wall. Another brick in. Pink might Floyd, have to, yes. Oh, Pink Floyd, the wall. Okay. Yeah. So Dennis is, as you can tell, he loves music. He's a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to throw some plugs out there for any of your <laughs> music <laughs> that was hardly no are you sure what not you, another red light what do you play not another red light i've actually listened to his album and it's pretty catchy i kind of like it so um if any of you guys are interested itunes check it out not another red light yeah check it out hopefully you like it yeah. if you don't i understand <laughs> anyways we thank uh both you guys for being here tonight great to be here Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you, are, if you are listening to us right now, we're live on KKLA from the studio in Glendale. We are here every Friday night. We have about four hosts that rotate through here on a monthly basis, and we try to bring you topics about Christian apologetics, defending the faith, challenging uh, thinkers to believe and believers to think. And lately... Most of the shows that I've been doing have not been so much geared towards challenging uh, thinkers to believe, like trying to speak to unbelievers, but we've really been speaking a lot to the church and challenging believers to think deep and hard about a lot of issues that the church has been facing recently as it relates to this whole coronavirus pandemic. Really, it was Easter Sunday back in March. I think we did the first coronavirus show. And we were live broadcasting from our church in Torrance because, you know, people weren't comfortable being here in studio and whatnot. And we did a few kind of remote broadcast shows, which were pretty awesome. Um, Hmm. You know, we did this live streaming kind of through an app, and it was a lot of fun. But the world has just been thrown upside down for the past four months. And so many things are going on politically, uh, with our governments, local city governments, state governments, national level. Um, The whole nation was thrown into chaos with riots and cities on fire and all sorts of other things that I think have forced Christians to really kind of take a deep breath or a step back and consider what does the Bible have to say about all of these things? And I think that's a good thing. I think God, in his providence, in his sovereignty, uses trials and tribulations, as we know from James chapter 1, to produce perseverance and character and steadfastness and faithfulness. 
And I believe he's doing that for his church as a whole right now with everything that's going on. And our prayer here is that we would be Christians who do dig into the scriptures, dig into the Bible, into the Word of God to find out how we are to respond to a government that tells us we can't meet at church anymore, a government that tells us, you know, we can't go to work anymore, you know, a government that tells us you can't even have an in-home tutor for your child this coming school year. It's got to be done on Zoom, right? You know, there are so many families who are going to be thrown into the homeschooling mix this year because the public school system is virtually shut down. I mean, they're doing an online thing, but a lot of a lot of parents are just saying, "Listen, we're just going to we're just going to homeschool our kids. We don't even want to put our hope in the public education system like our kids already lost, you know, half a year of school." Praise the Lord. Yeah, no, it's not exactly <laughs> it's God's providence, that's right? true. Absolutely. And but now the governor just came out and said, "Listen, if you want to bring a private tutor in, which many many parents do because they've never done this homeschool thing. So they want to bring in seasoned, you know, moms who have homeschooled entire uh, generation of kids to come inside and help. And the governor's saying, nope, you can't have any in-person tutoring. So it's kind of a way of like continuing just to try and shut down um, people from doing things that they want to do from having liberty um, in their own home. So anyways, Tonight we're going to be talking about justice. All of these issues are related to what is just and what is right and what is good. You know, um, what sort of jurisdiction does the government have over our lives, over our churches? Um, you know, how Christians should be responding. How should we be thinking through these topics? We want to help Christians kind of when they when something comes up. We want Christians to be able to be like, okay, we have a framework with which to kind of navigate through this question, right? Um, and so how do we process this information? How do we how do we have conversations with people around us? There's so many different Christian perspectives right now um, that seem to be conflicting. And what does that mean? Like, should Christians have conflicting views about moral topics? Um, no. Yeah, should we, or should we have the mind of Christ, right? You know, God has created us different shapes, different sizes, different colors, according to his good will. But has God also created us to have completely differing viewpoints when it comes to moral issues and moral questions? No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Beard. Um, Thanks, Beard. So that's kind of what we're going to be getting into. And we're going to be using some of the current events, some of the hot topics of the day to kind of help us bring this to light and bring this to bear in a real and practical way. Um, I would like to take care of a couple housekeeping items. This is a sponsored show, Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I can't see you, Dennis. I would like to see your beautiful face, if you don't mind. Um, Branch of Hope sponsors this show. They give to apologetics.com radio show on a monthly basis. I'm one of the deacons there. Daniel Adrian is also a deacon there. Dennis is a member in good standing there. As far as I know. Yes, he is. And so our church Till loves this week. ministry. Yeah. Hey, we've been partnering with this ministry for 20-plus years. Yes, yeah. And um, we would love to invite you to our church. Absolutely. We meet Sundays at 9.30 and 11. Uh, we teach the Word of God. We're a Presbyterian church. 
Um, we have question and answer with our pastor after every service, which is a great time to learn and grow and ask questions, tough questions. Um, but this is a listener-supported show. And I don't ever say this sort of stuff, but if you guys have a heart to want to give towards a Christian ministry who is just trying to reach people with the good news of the gospel, to try and help Christians think biblically, to help challenge unbelievers to believe, um, apologetics.com is a 501c3, fully tax-deductible. If you would like to give to us, go to apologetics.com, and you will find a link there on how you can give to our ministry. We are completely volunteer-based. None of us are paid. We all have other jobs, <laughs> other vocations during the week, but we do love to come on here every every now and then and just share some of our thoughts with you guys. Um, so we appreciate you listeners, and I wanted to throw out our number. If you want to jump into the conversation tonight, you could reach us at 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-5552. And one question or quote that I will throw out there to you guys is this quote that I believe is attributed to John Knox. Daniel might be able to confirm this, but it's this idea. It says, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Yes, yes, John Knox. That's okay. So we thank you. He's our he's our encyc- Puritan encyclopedia here. Um, resistance to tyranny, encyclopedia. Resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. If that doesn't get me married, nothing will. And so <laughs> that is kind of how we want to kind of frame this conversation. Puritan um, encyclopedia ladies, call in right now because there, oh boy, there, <laughs> there is it's it's late. There is a ton of um, <laughs> tyranny, tyrannical, just as I was talking about. Um, whether it's shutting down schools, saying parents can no longer send their kids to school in the fall, um, whether it's churches being forbidden to meet in person, um, churches were completely closed for you know, a good three months, um, is resisting that, is is that tyranny? Maybe we'll kind of start there. Are those sort of decisions tyrannical by a government? We'll, and we'll focus more on church, not so much the homeschooling education thing. Um, is that tyrannical? And is resisting those sort of things true obedience to God? Why or why not? What are your guys' kind of thoughts, hmm. initial thoughts on that sort of uh, topic? Anything in contradistinction to the fourth commandment is tyrannical. So it doesn't matter whether it's a family, a state, a church. If you say you cannot gather according to the command of God, then you're being tyrannical. And I know we said we wouldn't necessarily cover it in depth, but when it comes to homeschooling, if the state state steps in between the— parents' responsibility to educate the children in the way of the Lord, then they're being tyrannical as well. Yeah, and so I, you know, one thing I do want to kind of highlight to you guys is we are not just here to talk about church stuff. Um, I think all of us in this room would agree that the Bible, the Word of God, is sufficient and authoritative Mm-hmm. to speak to every aspect of our lives. So homeschooling is completely fair game, right? Because God, in his word, so 
when we when we consider just the topic of say homeschooling, what do we want to do? We want to say, well, what does God say about education? What does God's word say about our children? What does God say about parents? What does God say about educating our children? And who has the responsibility? Who has God given that mantle to, um, that authority to? And so we want people to realize that uh, the Christian life, the Christian you know, thought process encompasses every aspect of our being, you know, everything that we do. And I think what has been largely lost, and I think we see the outworking of that today, is a Christianity that has kind of gone anti-intellectual, right, and more feeling and emotion-driven. And so they've lost a lot of the ability to take the Word of God and apply it to schooling, education, uh, government, right? And, you know, even art or music or medicine or technology and so many other things. Um, but I think one one message we want to kind of put forth is that we need to get we need to bring that back you know we need to use love god with all our minds and um in every aspect of life so dennis yeah did you have any thoughts on that resistance to tyranny type quote is it tyrannical what what the governments has been have been doing what are your thoughts on that no i agree with what daniel's saying i mean if if it's contrary to the fourth commandment and then we do have a problem and now the our big issue too is how do we respond to that um as we were discussing earlier if you have churches that are being obedient to the state and they think that by doing so they are doing the best for their congregation whereas we have other issues like pastor macarthur who is in direct uh, rebellion against that for the same reason now, that, that's, that's still an issue that uh, I, we haven't quite yet resolved. Are, are, either, are they both in the right, or are they both in the wrong? Yeah, I mean, to put it simply, we have to kind of go through the arguments on these things based right. on the Bible. And I don't see a lot of that. I see a lot of constitution. I see a lot of natural law. I see a mm-hmm. lot of I see a lot of things that are not the Bible. So if and this is where you know being a Sabbatarian, being someone who takes the fourth commandment as binding on all men at all times until the return of Jesus, hmm. and yes, it's looking forward to the eschatological fulfillment, the eternal Sabbath in Christ. Right. Right. But still, there's remains a Sabbath here on earth. Being one of those guys, not popular, but being one of those guys, it's like, all right, where are we talking about this? Because mm-hmm. when I, I use that as a stand-in for Hebrews, right, when it says, uh, you know, you basically shouldn't forsake the gathering together. All right, well, mm-hmm. what's the context in which we're gathering together? Right. Honoring the Sabbath, right? right? Honoring the Lord's Day, if right. you want to put it that way. So I think a lot of times we're not even having that conversation, so I think it's it's literally a shame to more biblically orthodox churches that a man like Dr. MacArthur, and I mean with this with all due respect, 
is saying, we're going to honor the Lord on his day. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. You don't even believe the fourth commandment is binding. Oh, well. Right. right. In the same way, right? Right. So like, if so there's a, a little irony there. Yeah, if you're a Heidelberg church or you're a three forms of unity church in that sense, sure. or you're, a, you're sure. a Westminster Standard Church, sure. you should be like, whoa, this guy is checking me, right? He's, he's telling me, I'm going to go honor the Lord. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is something I say, trying not to be too controversial, but when we talk about like Mohammedans and they, or Muslimen or Muslims, whatever you want to call them, they will destroy images of false gods. Okay, well, why are they making us look bad on that front? If we're hmm. Protestants, right? If right. you're a Roman Catholic, okay, yeah, yeah, you have images all over. But that's that's a picture of what we're saying with Dr. MacArthur. Dr. MacArthur... What did R.C. Sproul say? He said something like, Dr. MacArthur was the number one guy when it came to the lordship controversy in the SBC, right? So when they were doing the whole, like, is Jesus my lord? Big, 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 big deal. And he mm -hmm. was the number one guy. So I never want to sound like I am speaking ill of Dr. MacArthur because he stood in the gap for a very, 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 very critical doctrine sure right we don't want to have people just say he's my savior not my lord mm -hmm. so he did that but that doesn't mean that we can just sanction every which way he did and what we talked about earlier is it's not very optical to have pictures taken of a bunch of people without masks right. whether you think that's godly or honoring to jesus or not right you don't want to do that because you're essentially asking Gavin Newsom to send the stormtroopers, right? Right, right. It's almost as if they're um, mocking or taunting, right, this mandate that has been given from the governor, right? Yeah, and, and what resistance to tyranny, to connect it to what we were saying with Knox, right? It's not tyrannical for the civil government to say, hey, look after uh, <laughs> spreading contagion. Right. That is Be considerate of your neighbor. There's nothing tyrannical about that. That is true. It's perfectly right. within the purview of love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Totally. If the civil magistrate says, look that you're not coughing on people, you're not, you know, right. whatever, wiping your nose and leaving your, your hands. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, the yeah, reason that's not tyrannical is because it's consistent with God's moral precepts. Right. Exactly. And that's, right. that's a hundred percent. That's the issue, right? It, that how can how can something in accord with the sixth commandment be tyrannical? Right. The if sixth commandment is thou shalt not murder. Yeah. Thou shalt not murder murder murder. So if we if we don't want to murder, right? So we or want to yeah, we don't want to murder. Whatever so that that's, is. We'll that's almost that. worse. That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, uh, that's, that's thou shalt not murder, we have to promote and uphold right. and defend the physical well being of another. Right. Okay, so obviously that's within the purview of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, where I have a problem is where well-meaning, you know, Reformed and Presbyterian people try to put that against the fourth commandment. No, you can't pit God against God. Mm -hmm. The first table can't war against the second table. The second table can't war against the first table. Yeah. So we have to reject that out of hand. But what MacArthur is saying is we're going to worship. Now, I don't know right. what his view of the fourth commandment is because, honestly, this is way more based. <laughs> this is way more in line with what I view on the fourth commandment when he, you know, he right. says, everybody come on down. So maybe he's rethinking his theology of corporate worship, and I hope well, he is. I think this whole, this whole past few months is causing a lot of people to rethink a lot of their theology. 
um, and understand how important it really is to think through all of these sorts of issues. Um, you know, you did mention the the pictures, right, that you see of Grace Community Church of just a full house, right, um, packed with believers close together with no masks on. And one thing I just want to clarify is that, not that that's a that's that's an actual that's a true representation of what's happening in their sanctuary, but there are also other means that the church has given. Like they have an entire parking lot, a big parking lot, with a tent over it that they have provided an outdoor sanctuary for you know attending the worship service outdoors. And many people are taking advantage of that. There's also smaller satellite rooms all over their campus because it's a large church where people can be inside and social distance and be very cautious. So everyone that's in that sanctuary is there because they want to be there, right? Everyone that's in any church on any Sunday is there of their own volition, volition, right? The church is not saying you, you know, you must be here, you know, um, if you're not here, you're in sin. You know, churches aren't typically taking that sort of a, a stance. So the people there are there, just like if they go to Costco, just like if they go to the Trader Joe's and they're around hundreds of other people because they need to get groceries, they go there on their own volition. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's kind of a relevant point. But Yeah, um, no, that's, that's key because a lot of people don't know that they provide those, you know, avenues of of approaching right. the public worship right. God. You don't hear about that. No, you don't. You only hear about, oh, they all All met. you see is the picture. Exactly. Yeah. So that, I think that's really essential that we point that out essential. Yeah. And uh, I also think it's important to note that, if anything, we're erring on the opposite extreme, a lot of us who care mm-hmm. about the Bible, right? We're saying, even if we don't think you shouldn't hold yourself back, we're not going to discipline you because this is such a weird exactly. time. Exactly. So people who care about the Bible, churches, denominations, ministers, ruling elders, whatever you want to call them, they're literally saying, like, we are not going to discipline you if you are in fear Mm -hmm. of acquiring this dread disease, and therefore you're holding yourself back. And so that's why we're providing live streaming. That's why we're providing all these technological means that we never had in the past. True. Now, we can argue whether that's good or bad or what we should do, but... The church, my larger point is the church is literally, if anything, going in the opposite extreme, right? We're being, we're bending ourselves over backwards saying, no, we're no, no, We're trying no. to accommodate, right? Yeah, because we don't want you to feel like, well, I'm old and I'm going to get this virus and die, so therefore I'm a bad Christian. Right. Yeah. If you're 80, 85, 90, you're, you're one of these old people, or you got, I have a friend with, you know, lung damage. He still goes to church, but right. a lot of people in his case, they wouldn't. But what we don't, what we don't want churches doing, which I think we would say is, is not the correct approach, is to just say, we're shutting the doors, we're not meeting at all, everyone tune in online. I right. don't think we want to take that approach, but we could talk about that a little more. I do want to jump over to a call real quick. Oh. Um we have Elaine calling in. Elaine, um, this is Jason with the Apologetics.com radio show. How are you doing tonight? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Um, it's All it says is you wanted to make a comment, so feel yes, free. I you got um, you, you got the floor. I, I, my comment is that I have a little bit of a problem with the, the church position on these issues and the world's view of it. 
in that, um, first of all, uh, in Ephesians, it said that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but principalities. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord tells us how to fight. And that is in Second Chronicles, where he tells us that we are to um, fast and pray. Well, one of the problems, I think, with the fasting and praying for the church is, number one, we have to humble ourselves, as he said, and, and fast and pray. That requires that you search your heart and you have to repent. In order, I, I believe you have to re- learn repentance, repent to the Lord and pray. And I, be- I truly believe that God wouldn't give us um, that information if we don't use it, because if you go over to John chapter... 16, where he says that he's already told us these, these trials and tribulations are going to come upon us. And then before that, in uh, chapter 15, verse, uh, I think it's about 17, well, you know, he said he chose us, so that if he chose us, he chose us to do his will, not the way of the world. But we're going to fight the world when he tells us we don't fight against the world. We're mm-hmm. fighting against principalities and persecution. So yeah. I don't understand how God has given us all these remedies to these problems, and yet still we're discussing what the world is trying to do to us. And I think that's my question. I, I think that we need to really think this through. What is our position in the Lord since He has chosen us? What is our purpose, and what did He choose us to do? And how did He choose us to fight in this issue? And I don't think it's with uh, flesh and blood. I think it's on our knees, because that's what He said. Okay. Would you... I appreciate that. Um, so are you saying, I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly, are you saying that you believe uh, resisting um, mandates from the government that call for things such as, you know, the, the shutting down of churches, are you saying okay. resisting that is is a bad thing? No, no, no. We, sh- we should be doing something different? Yes, I, I am. I, I will. I understand that. What I said is in Second Chronicles, he tell us how to fight these issues. He's already told us. He said, remember, I told you that you're going to face persecution. Now, and then he also, he chose us. He chose us to do what? To follow his will and his purpose, because, you know, God knows all about all this, the beginning and the ending. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think we have to look at where, you know, how this world is ending. You know, we're going to have evil days, more evil days. And I think that if we stick with what God told us to do, we'd have more success than we do if we just try to go out and fight the world. We can't. Mm. Because, you, because you're, 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 you're giving the right for a person that saved yesterday and said, okay, we're out there, we're fighting the world. But what about the Scripture? We, nobody mentions that. Nobody mentions Second Chronicles. Okay. So what is it there for? Elaine, that's a, great, that's, que- that's a great question. We really do appreciate it. We're coming up on a break right now. Um, I'd like to give the panel a chance to respond to that and also give you uh, some time to you know, respond too if you want after you hear our thoughts or maybe flesh this out a little bit. So if, if you want to, you could stay on. Um, but we will be back uh, right after these short messages and we'll be um, going towards your question. So thanks for calling. And we'll catch you after this break. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Dennis likes Green Day. And he literally looks like Billy Joe. 
And we thank you for tuning in tonight as we <laughs> are challenging believers to think and thinkers to believe. And we're talking about justice. We're talking about uh, government overreach, tyrannical government, how are Christians supposed to respond? And right before the break, we had Elaine call in with some good questions talking about um, you know, how God has given us remedies um, to fight the world. And I did want to throw out our number again before I forget. If you want to call in and discuss this or any other topic, we'd love to chat with you. You can reach us at 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-5552. And Elaine's main point was um, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, which we agree with 100%. Amen. Ephesians 6. Mm-hmm. Uh Second Chronicles, you know, if my people will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and repent, I will turn and I will heal their land and so on. Because um, we've been talking about how are we supposed to respond to these governments who tell us that we can't worship and tell us we can't go to church. Um, you know, do we just obey? Do we just stop? Even though God has commanded us. Um, to meet, to gather, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. Um, how are we supposed to respond? So I wanted to give Daniel and Dennis some time to chime in, and then we still have Elaine on the line, I believe, and so I want to give her a chance to maybe also chime in and respond after after she hears uh, okay. what some of the panel has to say. Okay, so I, I again, I want to echo, yes, the spiritual priority, of course, Um I think it's very clear that we need to be focused on our spiritual health, our spiritual well-being, what we do in terms of spirituality. Yes, yes, yes. But we also want to be sure that we don't fall into a very old error of kind of denigrating or devaluing or not giving the body its proper due, right? If the body were evil, then Jesus would have never taken on a human nature, a full 100%, whatever, how verily, truly, 100% human nature. So if this were the case, then we would be we would be essentially Christian Platonists. And while Plato may have some valuable insights, we have to guard against this error of a harsh dualism, uh, a, a too hard or too severe dualism between the body and the spirit, because God made both. Right. So when we see Adam, he's made body and soul. Right. He's he's made out of the clay and then his spirit is breathed into him. And there's nothing in the text to suggest that one of those is inferior to the other. Now, why we prioritize the spirit is because <laughs> we know from God directly that we should fear him who has the power to cast the soul into hell as well as kill the body. So we do want to keep that primacy. We do want to keep that priority. Uh, but what we don't want to do is fall into a, a, a sort of, you know, implicit Gnosticism. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Elaine. I'm just saying that this is what we want to be careful about. Because, of course, we want to call you body and soul, you, all of you, all of Los Angeles, all of the world, God willing, everyone hears this at some point, to repentance and faith. Yes, Repentance and faith, not only as a soul, a spirit, but also as a body. As because, a of course, being. Yep, yeah, I would agree. Because physically, you're going to live out the Christian life until you die. Right. So, yeah. And I think we, while we are talking about 
uh, dealing with spiritual warfare, if you will, we are dealing with very real physical issues. Mm. Um, I think the importance here is to understand that as physical beings, we are not led by the flesh either. We are led by the Spirit, but just about every action, even thought in itself, is in fact a physical a physical action, down to the chemicals in your brain, formulating ideas, coming through, going through the neurons, producing thought, producing, uh, producing a, a, a voice to give that thought, sound, everything. It's, we are physical beings. But I think the battle, which again, I'm not disagreeing with that part, the, the battle that we're having is, yes, spiritual, but the ideas the the ideas that we are discussing here have to do with the uh, the spiritual being and how spiritual beings deal with the physical world mm. and how those phys- how this physical world has an effect on both you and I as Christians and us as not only as individual Christians but as a church body and, and that's important because we need to we are dealing with physical realities as a church body in terms of congregation, educating our children, all these things. These are all very physical realities that need to be dealt with in a spiritual manner. That doesn't mean that we only think of them in terms of, I don't know, like you said, some kind of uh, ethereal spirit, and, and we leave it at that. We don't just sit and pray about it and do and do nothing else. We pray faithfully, and we also take action in faithfulness as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, just last up, last thing here, and then I'll go back to Elaine for a final comment. But um, I would say her her point is very well taken in that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We need to be putting on the full armor of God, the, you know, the helmet of salvation, the the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, so, and praying and humbling ourselves and repenting, just like she said, we need to be doing all those things. But that being said, while we're doing all those things, if so, the command is to worship and gather the fourth commandment and we're being prohibited from that in the same sense, there's a command not to murder. Right. And if someone were, trying to take the life of my my child, I, I would pray, I would do all those things, but I would also physically try to protect my child, right? And so there ha- there's, a, there's a body and a spirit part of it. And so I guess I would just say, I want to clarify maybe with Elaine that, you know, she thinks that, yes, we should be doing some physical things in addition to and, you know, alongside all of those spiritual things. I, I would say if that's kind of the point she was making, I think it's a point well taken and, and we're in agreement. But I did want to hop over to her real quick. Elaine, I wanted to give you like another minute to kind of okay. digest that and kind of give a final thought. Okay, let me say this and I'll wrap it up. I think it was Gideon that was going to war and he had the soldiers there and the Lord selected who he wanted to fight. Because because he didn't want getting him to think that he was winning the battle. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the person is winning the battle. The thing here is to see God winning the battle. Everybody sure. cannot, it's not ordained or it's not called to go out into this type of fighting. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the problem that I have with it, that the church is failing, they're not giving people 
the spiritual side of what the Lord they do, because there are some people are good prayers. They would pray. They would pray for those who's out there. But if you just take your stand about how to fight the world, then you're doing like a person that, you know, is not saved. But if you got saved today and you come to church and you guys are having a war out there, what is that going to do for their soul, for their for their growth in the Lord? And I'm just very, I want to be very careful about that. We don't get too involved with the fight, the physical fight, and don't give God the glory because he said he's the greatest. He has the power, the glory, you know, the victory. He says we got the victory, your majesty. So these things that God has given us, you guys are putting them in the back burner. So, okay, well, sure, that's true, but, you know, he says, I am the way, the truth. So you can't say, well, I'm going to put your truth down. I'm going to go back and pick up my sword. I have a problem with that. So would you be against churches that are remaining open and maintaining uh, worship and gathering in person? No, I think people have a right if they if they choose to do that. Okay. I think you have the right to do it, but it's not right for everybody. What only thing I'm saying is you guys are saying things as though this is what everybody should be doing. But people need to know that God mm. calls you to do certain jobs. When Gideon, how many people did he did the Lord send home? Because they were their hearts weren't your heart got to be prepared. Your heart got to be right to go out and fight your brother. Elaine, Elaine, I appreciate what you're saying, uh, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying, but Gideon is being called to fight a physical enemy, and we're not talking about fighting a physical enemy. What we're saying is, spiritually, God demands his people to worship him every week, not just at home, not in the nation by yourself but in the church, corporately. That's what we're talking about. So while I... I I do, sir, I'm sorry to interrupt you because I only have a short time. I do believe what you're saying, but he also said, you read John 16, chapter 16, where he said, these things he told us, there will be be persecution. And then in verse, um, well, part of verse uh, 4, he said, he said, when the time shall come, you may you remember that I told you of the of these things. So the problem is, the world know the times that we're in. The church did not educate our people on how to handle these times, and so now we're struggling and we want to fight. Okay. And you say you're not fighting; you're fighting a spiritual war. And I don't know how how much clearer that is. That was what Gideon and the Lord, because they weren't prepared. They 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 wasn't able. The Lord didn't send me. The Lord didn't send me. I'm sorry. I don't know where you, where you, what you believe, but I do know this. I'm 75 years old. I'm mean, 76 in a few days. Hmm. I do know this for a fact. If God don't give you the approval to go out and do these things, and you're doing it according to the flesh, it will not work. Oh, now, yeah. I oh, believe yeah. that God will make a way for our kids to go to school. And he will make a better way and a better system than what the world has, because he will give us what he wants us to have. I just can't believe you guys can say, but we have to do this. Well, what about God? I don't hear you saying God will. That's my problem. I don't uh, hear anybody saying God will. Well, I, God will yeah. see us through. 
I don't know. I don't know if you tuned in from the beginning or not, but we were saying that, yes, you know, God's hand is in all of this, you know, the education, you know, if God brought all education back into people's homes where parents were the primary, you know, educators of their children, I think that would be, you know, a providential blessing that God would bring about, you know, through, but that's through for all some, for some, the poor, they can't afford it. Well, but I mean, even if, even Elaine, even if let's say there were somebody in the neighborhood or the town who is an expert in a, partic- Sir, in a particular subject matter. World. You have to look at the real world, the real world. That's the problem today. The rich and the poor, the poor, they never get enough to get above the poor, because they only get so much out of this life, no matter where they work or what they do. Yeah, I, I, I want to be I want to be sensitive to real, like what's real, right? But I also don't want to be a pragmatist. The is Bible is not pragmatic. Okay, the Bible is very anti-pragmatic in the Western sense, right? American pragmatism says, if it works, it's true. The Bible says, if God says it, it's true. So whether it works or not, there can be whole thousand of years of history right remember when the uh remember when spain was overrun by the the muslims right they had four to five hundred years of being conquered by muslims so at that point it was not practical for them to obey god's commands when it came to the bible and yet what did they do after four to five hundred years they kicked them all out which is what i hope we'll do in this country and then what we'll we'll do in all christian nations i hope we'll be kicking out ungodly heathens throughout the world because God himself demands that we obey and we heed his commands. And I think you agree with that. I, when I'm listening to you, I just want to make sure that we're, we're making sure to sign point signpost that we're not pragmatists. So yes, we want, we want that which works to be implemented, Hmm. but we also know that the Proverbs tells us what works, right? And that's from God's wisdom. It's God who says that Jesus is his wisdom. So it's Jesus himself who is the wisdom of God, the Father. So we always want what are pragmatic in quotes, heavy quotes, we always want that to be in subjection to what Jesus has revealed. And where do we find what he's revealed? In the Old and New Testament, right? I think we agree on that, right, Elaine? But but the the Christ said, I am the way, the truth. And the light. Now, if you decide that, you know, you want to do it from a, a man's, from your, for your wisdom, then it's right for you. But what you're telling me is not the real world. I don't know where you live, and I'm not concerned about that. But what I'm saying, you're making a generalization statement that does not work for people that are poor. Vote me no into way. power, and I'll make and it God, real for the God power people. <laughs> I'll make it real for the poor people in your neighborhood. Just bring yeah, no, Elaine. I think I think you're you're getting you know you have a heart. I I see that and I appreciate that, and we understand that too. And I think you know the truth is the poor. So let's just say you know the poor need the public education system. I would say that's kind of a that's kind of an assumption that we make. And the, and the truth is, I think if the church needs to be in the business of educate you know providing means for poor families coming alongside them and the the people of God coming around them and saying, listen, we will bring you in 
alongside our families, our children, and whoever as a community, as as an axe, they were giving all they had amongst all the people so that no one had any need. You know, if the church mm-hmm. was doing what the church is called to do, education wouldn't be a problem for rich or poor or anyone in between. Um, so I totally hear the heart of what you're saying. Um, I, I completely appreciate the comment and your heart. And I think, you know, I think we're pretty much on the same page um, in, in regards to the fact that this is a spiritual battle. We need to be fighting sp- spiritually, um, but we also need to be doing what we can. Let like, me say this, and I'm going to say bye, help. I know you're running out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what I would like to do is for all of us, pray about this issue, about, you know, what our plans are to do and how you're advising people because sure. everybody spiritually is not in a position to fight this type of battle. That's right. what's happening today. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And, 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 and so when you throw it out there, you know, you know we got to fight, we got to fight. What's your, what's your explanation of fighting is, and somebody else's explanation of fighting, is not always the same. So you get chaos. But what I'm saying is when you take that before the Lord and when the Lord's okay, it's time for us to get our pull out our weapons and go out and fight. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you who's going to go out there. You're not going to suggest to go. The Lord, just like he did Gideon, he'll tell you, I yeah. want this church, that church, these people, that people. Yeah. We're all, we're all going to fight from our knees, right, Elaine? We're all going to be fighting from our knees, praying to God. So you and I, we're, tonight no, we gotta, or, we gotta, or tomorrow... We now, you can fight from your knees. I'm fighting from mine, too. But I do believe that the power is in the fasting. And he said he has power. Yeah, yeah. We Amen. might Yeah, we might all be fasting, too. That's Yeah, I, I think that sure. the but church has lost the, the doctrine of fasting, for sure. And some people will be holding up Moses' arms. Listen, I'm going to go because I need to go to sleep. <laughs> Thank you, Elaine. Well, happy birthday in a few yeah, days. Happy, well. happy early birthday. <laughs> Call back, please, next next Friday or We'd whenever. love to hear from you, Elaine. Thanks for tuning in. I, I call, I, I listen every Friday. And oh, I wow. Before. Well, we appreciate that. Well, we're the good Bye. ones. There's Bye, Elaine. Just kidding. Bye, Elaine. Oh, you know what they need to say? You know, you know what you need to say? What? I don't have, I don't have computers. And so oh. if I send something, I don't know where to send it or how oh. to send it. And, and apparently I'm missing it. So when they, when they put the announcement up again, will you have them tell me, please? Say it, please. Yeah, sure. we could give you our mailing address for sure. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yep. We have a yeah. We have a physical address and, and, a, sp- and a spiritual, and a spiritual one. one as well. Exactly. I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right, Elaine. Thank God bless you. you. Have a good night. Thanks Thank for the you, call. Bye bye. Bye bye. So I just I want to say she that there are many good points to be taken from that. Sure. And, you know I want us to really be clear on we need to wage these wars from our knees. And yeah, not everyone is called to go out and, you know, say stupid stuff like I just did in front of L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend everyone say, "Yeah, vote for me," and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make sure that you're poor. Oh, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, no, but, but mm-hmm. we also I won't be voting for Dan. <laughs> you, yeah, you will, <laughs> or you'll <laughs> repent. But anyway, so when we come to this idea of providing for the poor, this is key. I mean. The church should be making it possible for single mothers to educate their children. That would be the ideal. That's what we're striving for. So when we talk about a commitment to parents educating their children, that's even when the father is absent or the father right, is right. dead or whatever, right? We want the single mother 
to educate the child such that that's her primary vocation. Now, if that's not feasible, that's where I was trying to kind of gesture towards, we have professionals, right? I'm not the best at calculus. So I'm going to call in my buddy who, you know, he took the Putnam exam, literally. He took like one of the world's most advanced math exams. I'm going to be like, yeah, why don't you uh, tell my child if God grants me one, Lord willing, and a wife, first things first, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Why don't you teach him or her the the calculus? Because I'm not going to be nearly as good as he is, right? Right, right. And we know people in our church, we're very blessed in our com- our church community. There are people who are very, very, very solid on certain subjects. And you'd sure. much rather have them. I'd much rather have Pastor Paul right, at right. least like run the ball on theology and then, right. yeah, go to the crazy guy in the beard and talk about theology too. Sure, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to do stuff about theology. I love theology, but sure. I'm going to defer to Pastor Paul because he's been called by the church, ordained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to defer to Jason on engineering because he's done a lot more engineering yeah. than I ever had. I'm going to defer to you on music because you probably actually know how to play an instrument, Dennis. Right. Whereas I just, yeah. you know, I mess around and... So speaking of voting for Daniel for... Yeah, vote uh, for me. For office. King of the world. You no. Know, I think, you know, some things I, hear, <laughs> some things I hear Christians say recently is, you know, that uh, true faithfulness... You know, I heard a friend say this. True faithfulness is rarely political or popular. Um, You know, people will say things like Jesus was not a political figure. Uh, He was not a political activist, right? Um, How would you guys respond to this? How how should a Christian view politics and their um, engagement with it? What do you think, Dennis? Well... We are starting to sound like a few theonomists, aren't we? Isn't everybody? Maybe yeah. you are. Well, as as one of my dearest and uh, well best friends said uh, so eloquently, uh, rest in peace, my friend David Kennard, um said, you know, if you ask enough questions, everybody is a theonomist to some degree or another, and I agree that, and I believe that's true. Um, we are mm-hmm. in. Um, we're in a place right now where, unfortunately, now the state is out of step with the church, and now we've ha- we are implementing laws that are simply um, the product of our visceral or emotional constitutions based on either our ethnicity, our background, both, and what we think or feel uh, is good at the time. And now we have this difficult situation where the, the laws that we're trying to, uh, the laws that we're putting into place are inconsistent with what the church believes, and that's not, well, that was never the intent. The, the law should always be the the justification of spiritual matters of what, of what the church uh, what the church implements amen we are down to the last 2 minutes and so on this topic um of politics right. as Dennis was just touching on you know i would just say that i think one thing christians need to keep in focus is that you know be 
God has ordained three primary institutions, the family, the church, and the state, which is governments, right? So if God has ordained it, by necessity, it need, it's going to be a part of our lives, right? And we need to understand the government that we live in and under, mm-hmm. right? Um, because God himself has ordained that these institutions exist, right? Think of Daniel. <laughs> Think of Joseph, second in Egypt. All of these Old Testament people have, you know, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to who? The king. You know, trying to separate our lives from the political sphere is um, not what biblical Christianity is. All no, about. it's unwise. So, so yeah. final, final thoughts for both of you, maybe 30 seconds each to leave oh, with the boy. listeners. Thea namas, right? Theo, God. Namas, law. If you're a Christian, you believe in God's law. And then to kind of add to that, what are we talking about here? We're talking about if it's not according to God's law, it's no law at all. Right? Because God is the lawgiver. Well said. No, I'll go with that. I think that's well said. Yeah. And if people if people remove God from the picture, the the true capital T Theos, they just replace it with a lowercase God, a lowercase T Theos, right? So everyone, as Dennis said, at some point is theonomic. It's just a question of which God are they serving? You know, which God are they looking to? So we want to thank all of you guys for tuning in to the Apologetics.com radio show. It has been an hour of just fun and excitement and we appreciate all the thoughts and we will be with you next friday at midnight and so for jason with apologetics.com we're saying keep the faith take care